and you're live on Dead Radio. Yo, yo, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dead Radio. With your main man, Bangy is dead. Um, powered by the beautiful guys at Play Energy Drink. Um, shout out Backpack. Obviously, this is like their cinema room. Mad cozy, if you ask me. Shot on a Sony camera. Um, and today, obviously, as you guys do know, um, we've got a special guest. <laughs> we only have special guests, you know what I mean? Um, before I get into it, I'm just going to explain to you a couple of things. So that camera is for you. That camera is for us. And that camera is for me. Um, so, as I don't know if you know, if you've done your research... But I'm just going to tell everyone else who's probably watching this or listening to it for the first time. We don't um, Do introduce um, any of our guests. Okay. So we allow the guests to introduce themselves to just kind of give us um, an idea of who they think they are rather than me sucking something out of a thumb. So you didn't do your research? I did. I always do my research. I feel like this this, no, I really this segment hasn't been researched. No, no, no. I really, really do my research. I just would rather take it from me what you think you're about got it so um you're gonna get into it so do you want to know everything age i mean i don't think age is important okay just <laughs> what i'm about <laughs> just what you're about what you're cool. doing where you're from then we'll take it from there cool um so yeah ma'am hi how are you hi i see we socially distance yeah uh, we appreciate the safety. <laughs> oh, funny guy. All right. So um, you're going to look at any camera. But might I add, it's not an interview. It's really just a conversation. So don't ever feel the need to like look at a camera per se. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I can introduce myself. So my name is Sunshine Shibambo. Uh, I think anyone who's known me longer than 10 years probably knows me as Shami, which is actually my name. Um, I am a creative. I've been a creative for... I'm about to feel old. Let's see. 20-something years now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I create in a sense that I solve problems by using creative to solve those problems. So I started a business five years ago which was essentially built to just manage that what i realized having come from corporate so i've worked in the corporate spaces i've worked for you know big brands sabc i've worked for media 24 i've worked for sab I've worked for big brands in terms of personalities we're definitely gonna get to that but like yeah so that experience kind of helped me start my business. Right. Um, it helped me hone my creative to something I could sell. Right. Where before I was just the general creative that could paint and draw and cut up things. Right. Um, going into the corporate world helped me make it tangible and be able to monetize it. So right. I finally figured out you can charge per hour, for example. Right. I finally figured out you can charge for just ideation and you right. don't have to actually make anything, you know, you'd be paid just for the ideas. And I think that experience helped me start my business. So now I introduce myself as Sunshine Shibambo. I run an agency called Chiriasekasi. We are ideation specialists that use creative to solve marketing problems. Hmm, interesting. I 
<laughs> so it, up, it upgraded from creative to ideation. Yeah. Like you had a bit of practice. No, I. It took me a while to be able to define what it is that I do. Um, because I, you know, the the places I worked, I worked in different positions. I started essentially as an intern in a marketing department. Um, even though I had studied advertising, I come from Triple A. Okay, you're going to get into that. You're moving too fast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me pull it back. But anyway, um, you know, starting or getting into the jobs I got into was just a way to find out how I could use my creative in those different spaces. Right. And so it put me in different environments. I went from fashion styling to a marketing assistant to doing live TV productions. You know, right. you'd see the summers go live. I'd be part of that team. Um, from anything to like car wash activations and it just kind of broadened the scope where advertising was very linear. I could only be an art director or a copywriter or a strategist or account director. And I think working at SABC and Media24, which included entertainment and broadcasting, introduced a whole new world of radio and television. And so it gave me this kind of added advantage, you know, where I could... You know more. Yeah, I could put things into situation, you know, right. you, when you study advertising or any creative kind of course, um, usually in your last year, they'll get you to do an internship just to almost get the practical skills. Right. Um, but it's never the same when you actually start working in those spaces. So it was great to have kind of a view of both worlds, the, right. the formal corporate marketing side of things but also understand the agency side of things because okay. that's all i knew in college okay okay so before right you already like <laughs> jumped a couple of steps i hate introducing myself because <laughs> i'm always just like what do you want to know <laughs> where i went to high school no it's fine we'll never get around that yeah um, but i went to macaulay house uh, just we're fyi there, we're gonna get there so <laughs> so normally what happens is um obviously I'm going to ask you about your background because your background really doesn't um, contribute to who you are today. Mm-hmm. So where did you grow up? Where were you born? Um, and we'll just take it from there. We'll take it from there. <laughs> okay, so let's start me. <laughs> um, so I grew up in a small neighborhood in Soweto okay. called Mfulo. Okay. Mfulo is famous for Five Roses, which is this big rainbow in the park thing. Some okay. of the first live shows in South Africa happened oh, there. Absolutely, the rainbow. Does it still exist? It does. It actually burned down, and then it was rebuilt by a private someone. So no one really has access to it because I mean, that's normally what private people do. Yeah, there's a music school in the back of the rainbow because it's actually offices in the really? back. I thought yeah. it was just that thing like in the middle of nowhere. No, it's a performance space. So when it was built, I mean, I remember seeing. Um, like he, like he do basically hot sticks, but fancy because there used to be shows then when we were kids, you know, right. you could walk to those parks. But I only saw it because I got into eventing and I've used it as a venue now, so I actually accessed the space. Right, because I'm wondering even now, like I haven't actually seen someone do like a live mix thing at that place. Which no, is like, kind of really weird. Five Rose is incredible. I think Fuller's got a lot of nice historical sites. We have AA2, which is the oldest cinema in. A township. Um, so back in the days, I saw Bruce Lee's first movie there. 
Uh, um, and all those kind of cheesy classics we grew up with. Right. That was our place to go. And when it closed down, I think it was a sad day. It's never been reopened. Also, I think caught up in politics. Yeah. So it's a venue that's just sitting there. Um, I loved growing up in Fulo. I have four brothers. Uh, so you can imagine I was a typical tomboy. Right, right, uh, nice. Yeah. If if uh, I was standing up, you guys would see the scars on my legs, <laughs> roller skating, rollerblading. Um, but also growing up in the township, then it was everyone took care of everyone. So right. your neighbors, you know, Rasala go next door because your mom's working late. So right. it teaches you other languages, how to manage people. I mean, one minute we're at this granny, where this auntie were there. I come from a single parent home. So I had a mom who had to have assistance to help raise her five kids. So we became quite independent young. We're all about a year apart. I sit slap bang in the middle. So I have two brothers older than me, two brothers younger than me. Um, I hate being their sister because it's like (laughs) being a mother when you have four boys. So... Would Never say, works out. Would you say that has kind of contributed to the type of person you are today? Hundred percent. I think it it, it it taught me how to be always aware of the next person. Okay. So everything I do is always thinking of the next person in mind. Okay. Even though it might be something that started as something for me, it's always like how can the next person win or how can I bring in someone? And creatively, I'm pretty sure that has also. Uh, like added some sort of absolutely i think um for me the definition of ubuntu i learned growing up in Fulo. right because um my neighbors were you know younger kids got pregnant early but you know still had these dreams and it teaches you just to be more compassionate to be more realistic um but it also teaches you to hustle so it was i think one of the first places where you learn how to make money without realizing you can, you know, you're making money, you can make money. So, but right. it just kind of showed you that um, possibility of, the you know, absolutely. So, I lived there till 97. Okay. And Don't then, because then that's going to make you feel old. No. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> the viewer might think so. <laughs> um, no, so we moved 97, I was 15, um, okay. grade 10, that no, it's nine, yeah, I think. I think, yeah, grade nine. Um, and we moved to a neighborhood called Naturena, which was kind of the first black suburbs okay. in the south that, that started coming up after you know we got our freedom. Um, so moved in there. It, we moved at a great time because my brother started moving out of home. Right. The two above me were going to matric. So Natrena was great because I finally had my own room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but also I had um, a space to kind of create. So my mom wanted to put us away or take us away from the township. When we left the township at the time, Jack Rolls were rising hijackings were becoming a real thing like there was just more crime kokasi and i think in her head she wanted to get us away from like early teenage pregnancy and those situations so my last three years of high school were literally kind of very secluded um naturena was still quite small there there was no public transport like it was just this little in the middle of nowhere 
I went to Macaulay House. Okay. Macaulay House is an all-girls Catholic school. <laughs> um, from grade two till matric. Um, okay. So. Did you like it? I loved it um, right. because we were always small in a class. I was never in a class that had more than 30 students. Okay. Um, so it meant you kind of got the extra attention you that you needed. You literally gave them some marketing. Yeah, I love them. I love them. I, I think the joy of going to an all-girls school, being in an environment where it's all boys at home, right. it gave me sisters automatically. Um, I'm still quite close with a lot of the girls I matriculated with. Right. We still keep in contact. But it was also such a progressive school that um, when I went in 1992... <laughs> which would have been great too um, we were a handful of black kids but they were one of the few schools at the time that were willing to accept black kids okay. and um, with the Catholic schools they were always kind of non-racial right. so it gave us this great place where I suddenly interacted with white people okay. uh, which previously I hadn't so my best friend in primary school was a white girl called you Diane it was. Just to recall that, like. It was so because my mom, um, when we were living in Soweto, had always been in a political, um, kind of environment. She right. was a with girl. She worked for a political newspaper. So our immediate environments, I think, up to fifteen, up, up to like twelve, was very black. Okay. Uh, the newspaper she worked for was literally fighting the apartheid government. Right. So the editors were black, the writers were black, the photographers were black, the stories were black. You know, um, so she, I was in that world where I was meeting black excellence right. at the time with, without realizing it. I mean, I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Now, in hindsight, I'm like, oh shit, I met Abdul Ibrahim when I was a kid. I, I went to a Brenda Fassi concert. I was backstage in these spaces and then, and you know, once I've started chatting to my mom, I understood she used to take me to work with her. Right. So it was always such a colorful experience growing up in those environments. Naturally, I was a bit more, I think that's why I became more girly because I finally had time to myself and I found right. myself. Where Soweto was like adventure the whole time. It was <laughs> always about getting into travel. Like, how far can we go? Can we get to Middlelands? Can we get to Topsonville? Can we get to, and still make it home before the sun goes down? Right. So my, my childhood was colorful, it was comfortable. I never felt like I was missing anything. Okay. Um, not even a dad. <laughs> no, not even a dad because I had a mom who had a great support structure. And so I think that taught me from a young age that you can kind of get a lot done if you have the support structure around you. I watched her hustle five school fees buy a car, buy a house, and um, that kind of always stuck in my mind that, okay, cool, she could do this. Without a, a university degree, she only had a metric. Right. And like a, a, a typewriting course from Damalin, but she had minimal education. Okay, okay. And so I think her perseverance kind of drove me to kind of start thinking I can do, do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never would have thought of it then, but um, as, as young. As I progress. Which point in your life did you get introduced, like, uh, can I say creativity or art? From a very young age, um, I know, well, first memories I have is when she worked for the newspaper. Yeah. They 
introduced like a kids section um, to keep the kids of the people who work there busy. Okay. So um, I worked with the Sisulu kids, Zoya and and um, Moikwa Sisulu, who was like a Sisulu's kids, who was the editor. And we started the kids section, crosswords, okay. coloring in, drawings. Can you stand at one, 91? Because okay. I think the paper closed 93. Okay, okay. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of my first memories of it. Uh, I thought I was more of a bookworm than I was a creative. Right. Because I enjoyed reading more than I actually did creating for the okay. longest time. So my mom says when I was young, you'd find me hiding in a corner reading trying to find light to read Crazy. that's a lot of to do right. and i was obsessed with sweet valley high which was <laughs> again if you're my age yeah i hope <laughs> people who are watching this are over 35 because then you might not get these references <laughs> like sweet valley high. Okay. but it's it, it it was like these um books you could pass around so we'd share them like different high schools it was uh-huh. uh about these kids in high schools archie and veronica and betty and a mess but it was our life then right so i always wanted to recreate and i started consuming a lot of television i was small so i knew i was always fascinated by how tv's made mm-hmm. um how you know that scene how did they get that car there is it like how how did they shoot is this so tv for me drove a lot of that curiosity so i'm assuming you watched a lot of tv too yeah Okay. I still, till today, TV for me is a very good kind of reference point and not reference in the terms that I can recreate what's on TV, but it just shows new ways of doing things. Okay. Um, I love watching international music award shows because they showcase some of the best technologies that you wouldn't necessarily think to use in a music awards right. environment. So. TV was that for me. And I think um, in the early 90s, TV was terrible. SABC 1 was the Zulu channel. SABC 2 was the Sotu channel. Yep. Really? There was no SABC 3. There were certain shows you had to turn on the radio to match the TV. And then it's in English on the radio. Yeah, there's a show called In the Steel of the Night. And that you could simulcast in English on radio, but on TV it wasn't baby. Was I? What? Crazy. Nice. But that was TV for us. You know, the occasional movie. So when my mom was in exile, which was early primary school, she sent back a lot of kind of videos and sing-alongs and, and just whatever she could while she was away. And that again started that curiosity. Now watching Disney shows for the first time and being fascinated by animation. Right. And I think my curiosity started from there. So she got me into an art school from grade two okay so i would have been 10 so maybe cool now after yeah you were 10 no nine yeah, eight. Eight. <laughs> eight. Eight. Yeah, eight so that's the closest i remember um i used to cut up clothes every holiday school holidays <laughs> i always wanted to look different <laughs> you know so i'd always be cutting up her clothes or my clothes and then i got introduced to sketching okay uh, one of her friend's friends, the kids was at an art school, specifically at an art school. I think she used to go to NSA at the time. And so I'd watch her and she started sketching and I got interested in it. So I started sketching and then we were sent the, to art school. I'm sure this after the, before, after the magazine, I mean the newspaper. 
after the magazine, okay. after the newspaper. newspaper. Okay, yeah, because cool. the newspaper, I mean, that was my mom's job. Right, but... So I essentially nepotism my way into it. <laughs> yeah. um, but she always tried to kind of support my creative curiosity. So it wasn't just sketching. I really thought I was going to be a musician. So at some like point... sing and stuff. No, play piano oh, or cello okay. or flute. Okay. She paid for all those lessons. Sis didn't deliver. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I thought I was going to be a fine artist, so she took me to an art school at Zoo Lake. Okay. So I think she always tried to hone what we showed interest in. Um, right. And mine was always kind of in the creative world. So that's why I say when I was young, I knew I wanted to create. I just didn't know what kind of creator I was meant to be. And at what point did you decide? Wow. Like at one point did Still you... not decided. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure no, what I mean. I, I, I think I go through phases. Yeah. Um, because I, I just am constantly kind of curious on my ability. Right. So, um, you know, I'll go into styling because I think I can. And I want to see if I can, and so I, that's how I got into it. I actually entered a reality show. I thought, right, was that the first step into like the fashion world? The fashion world? Mm, yeah, I would say like official step. Okay. A step that was noted prior to that. I dressed friends. Okay. I was the one designing matric dance dresses. Um, so oh, it was a step where you actually started getting a bag. Yeah. For doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I also had never considered it as, as a real job. It was just like this phase I was going in of questioning my ability. Why didn't you? Do you think it was unattainable? No. At the reach? time, at the time, there was just no money in South Africa for okay. stylists like that. I mean, this is 2009, 2010. So I'm assuming you think there's money now? Absolutely. I think what social media has done for a lot of South African brands is fast track everything i like what you did it's south african brands i hate when people say local brands no south african brands yeah i feel like it's so distasteful <laughs> it is because it's like saying the black child you know? yeah, like, the south african child what do you mean um and 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 you know when i look at it um going into fashion and and winning this reality show and some of the designers that that specific magazine worked with over so that like time you, like you won yeah i won I beat out 2,000 individuals. So how did you enter? How did you discover it? Um, so a friend, Rufilwe, who I was working with at the SABC at the time, and I worked in a department where we were producing live shows. So we would do summer awards or we would produce design in Daba. SABC still had lots of money, but also would... How did you even get into it? At the SABC? Is a story for another day? No, I'll, I'll definitely go into it. Okay. But... Um, with the CBC at the time, they were really focused on honing and investing in South African arts. So they did a lot of kind of design in Davos, Lurie Awards, um, Royal Show, which is like Ren Show, but it happens in Peter Maritzburg. Okay. We sponsored things like the Ren Show. We would put on a TV stage and we'd have a radio stage so you could see your Metro FM DJs live okay. broadcasting from Ren Show. Or you could meet um, Dao from Generations on the TV stage. And so that was my job. Um, but I'd gotten bored with it. I'd done it for six years. It became so easy for me. It wasn't challenging. Sorry. And 
And um, yeah, I become restless every time I get to a point where I feel like I've hit the ceiling right. with my ability. And so she she phones me one day and she's like, I'm reading this magazine and there's a competition for um, style intern is what they were going to call it at the time. And you win a contract to work for this magazine and 10,000 rands cash prize and line laptop and nice things and i was like hmm okay i'll, I'll try it and okay. so i entered i was working at metro fm at the time as a events coordinator and um yeah i was shortlisted they asked us to come to cape town um on the first day i think there were 50 of us <laughs> we were shortlisted to 20 um and um i remember the first interview they did they were like okay so do you think you're going to win this competition? And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> no one scares me here. Um, I was, I probably had the least styling experience because it was fashion students, right. life off and, and Cape Town schools. And, but I had been in a work environment and I had worked managing a brand, SABC. So I, I have that confidence of, I know what to do with a brand. Yeah, and um, so it, it ran, it, like they did it for 10 days with eliminations every day and challenges and through broken nails. And I mean, at that time I was still very tomboyish. So I was not this glam <laughs> me that you see today. I had braids and I think I broke a nail first day and I got into shit in the show because like, dude, you can't be <laughs> so scruffy that you're going to work for this magazine. I was like, did you pay for my nails? But I just remember being so certain that this is what I could do. Right. Um, so when it did eventually get to top three, and um they were like okay cool you know we think you might win this thing but we want you to to do or create some tensions and i was like no what do they mean because reality tv is still reality tv oh, you so still have to add like... in the drama oh. the thinking king moment really? yeah and so i remember yeah i remember saying i'm out and i was like nah okay cool i'm i'm easy nah SABC, i can get my job back and um <laughs> I won eventually. <laughs> but <laughs> what, they're asking you to stay, like no even imagine what kind of a conversation like that goes like. So it, it was a scene where we all got a chance to call home. Yes. And there were three of us left, Dion, who was the only guy at the time, a girl called Rosemary from Durban and myself. Okay. And I'm I'm the only black person, so I speak to my mom and <laughs> they're recording it. They, she asked me, so, you know? So I'm like, I mean, right? Normal conversation. Yeah, normal. Oh, no, I was a racist. I was a racist. Um, why? You know? What? What it became this thing where I was just like, no, okay, we're not doing this. Like actually a good question. Uh, at the time, it really, I think, shocked me, and that's why my I'm out element of it because it, it one, it's I mean, how my mom and I will talk about race, you know, we'll always kind of approach it like that. So, I think the thing that frustrated me, that made me want to walk away, is possibly being labeled a racist, right? Um, which then just triggered the I don't need this side of things. Um, but once it was resolved, I mean, we, we, we still had a few days of competing. There were still more challenges. We were eliminated. 
Um, and I won and I really enjoyed working for the magazine. Um, I think the fashion editor there at the time, Chu, Chu Suwanapa. <laughs> He's actually a designer oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, I know that homie. The um, different, um, African yeah. Style uh, Chu was the fashion editor and I would have worked underneath him and the beauty editor at the time. Oh. And he made me take fashion seriously. I think he made me understand and see the beauty and value of South African brands, being oh. in Cape Town at the time, it, you know, being able to just walk into Luna Studio right. or Kluk Studio, um, being able to just call Tula Cindy for a dress, David Lally. And then that was the like adrenaline rush for me, you right. know, but also the education to learn from someone who authentically loved fashion right. and wanted to be in fashion. So that's how I got into fashion. I a friend was just like this is so you and i was like oh i went from an events coordinator to to a stylist to being style intern intern (laughs) basically doing the fashion thing in a nutshell yeah um lived in cape town for a few months uh cape town's not for me um i think i'm a person of people you know and cape town didn't have that um i
and you're live on Dead Radio. We were all kind of this creative community. Right. Um, and so we, we had that belief in each other. So once I started working with WHP, then Tapelo Mukwena asked me to work with him. Um, at the time, he was shooting a movie called Scafe, and he wanted me to um, help him launch, you know, the premiere of the Did movie. You know how to do this? just learn along the way? I did. I'd been doing it at the SABC. I'd okay. been producing okay. design endeavors and, um, you know, exhibitions for the Ryan show, choosing the talent. Right. So I'm assuming you had the connections or like the people to reach out to in order to Absolutely. have a specific story to be aired. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I had been at the SABC six years. So it, it, you know, through the six years, I did six design endeavors, six breweries, right. six ranchos, six, Crazy. you know, makufes, six this. So, um, with every makufe booking or rancho booking, you must book an artist, you know, right. or MC. Or, so, it gave me access to um, the celebrity world. Right. And having, being working for the SABC, it was out daily, you know. Right. It bumped into people, into passages. SABC, guys, was once a bustling entertainment center. Um, you know where you wanted to work. why would you say that that's such a political statement no and I'm not political I'm just saying because I worked at the SABC before Taudi okay. and I went through two CEOs whose vision or priority was building the SABC through partnerships with the creative industries right so so, so Peter Matlare for example yeah. RIP to Peter Matlare as well he was, um, after Zulaki Sisulu was the first black CEO right. of, of SABC. And what he did, for example, is um, introduce, you know, premium channel SABC3 that was this black opulence. So we saw right. top billing come yes, from that, yes. right? Where prior to that, we had never seen what black excellence looks like. Yes. So for Zulaki, because he had had New Nation, the newspaper, where he was already celebrating black excellence, it was natural to do it at the SABC. Right, Absolutely. Guess, yeah. And then um, Peter Matlare came after him, who had come from overseas university, had this vision of what broadcasting could be for South Africa, right? right. So you saw your generations come to life because of CEOs like that, okay. who said, we do need a soapy, but it can't be... Like people got to pay him, you know? Yeah, so, Mfundi came along and said, here's this new thing I can do, which is aspirational, which people cool. can, you know, imagine one day falling into this world. So, right. because as a TV nut, generations taught me things like these advertising agencies, right. which prior to that, I would have never known. Okay, okay. Right? Okay. Because they're not teaching you that at Macaulay House. Right. That you, when you grow up, you can work for an advertising agency. And they say, go be a doctor. Market. Yeah. yeah, go be a teacher. Go be, <laughs> you know. Standard. So, again, a generations or television opened that world for me and, and started those questions. And yeah, it, it's, it's just always seemed to have come back to this, to a certain place, every job that I've done. Right. Um, the live broadcasting helped me manage talent. Kind of moving away from your political statement. Cloudy, Cloudy messed up the SABC because I think he did not realize what the power of the creative community is. If you okay. look at industries like Nollywood and Hollywood, mm -hmm. um, Hollywood carries America. The money just made in Hollywood, which is a, a small piece. It's LA. Right. 
Right. Right? I don't know how many states are in the US, but LA is one of them. Right. And if that small community can make money to sustain, let's say, a hundred states, what's stopping South Africa from having a thriving entertainment industry? We're seeing our talent go out. We're seeing them creating waves. But if our national broadcaster isn't focused on celebrating that talent or growing that talent Mm -hmm. or supporting that talent then you know no one's aspiring to be on tv right, no one's aspiring really to what act. i can do i don't know how far i can take it but at the same time wouldn't we say that's a duty that nothing twitter supposed to do no stop us on culture because no because sabc is a business sabc is a business at the end of the day with objectives right and the one of the objectives is to keep the country informed. That's why they are national broadcasters. Right. TSTV's got it. ETV's got it. They don't have the weight of being a national broadcaster, right? Okay. So the, the opportunity in being a national broadcaster is you can educate people. Right. Because you have mass reach. Yes. You know, the, the power of SABC is no other platform can reach that many numbers 100%. in that instance. I mean, until now with the era of digital but, but prior still, to still, that even until today like um a lot of people sorry to interrupt you but like a lot of people the moment they get onto national tv mm. it's not necessarily they're done but you literally see them as a brand per se hate print mm. people as brands mm. but you see them as a brand like explode yeah. um into different other things and they become more marketable they become more um, Absolutely, you've got someone, 12 million people logging in every night to watch yeah, Generations. Pretty much. Right? Actually, more if I'm not mistaken. Well, um, back then, I don't know. I don't know yeah, now. Yeah, it's like, I think Generation doesn't even have, it's not the most viewed uh, TV, the most viewed show is Uzalo. It's got like 30, 30, 28 million people watching it every day, every night at night at 8.30. You know so, I mean? you know, is that not an opportunity to educate on, you know, safety, on introduce a storyline about the riots and you know, because people are plugged in people are listening right. people are watching so i worked for an sabc that was right. that responsible right. right that would say if it's cancer awareness month you know we would be producing cancer promos and going into the communities and doing work uh, and this is the sabc that inter intersection came from exactly from exactly which, which, which was a show that basically um, open up the, the lid on people having multiple sexual partners. SABC was a like pioneering channel. Absolutely. When SABC yeah, no, one no, became uh, Yamampela, yes. I think now it's Mzansi for sure. But yes. once upon a time it was Yamampela, and I mean, till today their ad is still banned. SABC yeah, had an ad where. Yeah. You know, living the life of a black person through this white person. Yes. And that was years ago. That was us first year university. So maybe 2001, like early, early. And programming like that made a black child go, yeah, you know, understand my perspective. Right. Understand that even though we're both in advertising, I still have to get on two taxis to get to the agency. So I can't work till 11 p.m. Right. You know, and I think it just gave it perspective. But around the same time, YFM was doing the same thing with their campaigns. Um, Network BBDO had done incredible campaigns for YFM, for Metro FM, What Makes You Black. You know, so you started seeing this conscious black content. And SABC One was the leader of the pack. You saw Yuzo Yuzo 
uh, one of the first gay scenes in the country was on Yizo Yizo, and it was a rape scene in jail, right. right? Which was a reality in South Africa, but no one was willing to have the conversation. Still. So today, who is was on the team Yizo Yizo, you know, mm-hmm. uh, young black creative, was someone we all wanted to be. Right. And or then, the you know, yeah. and then you saw um, Scoop on, on, uh, what is that damn show called? Street Journal. Yes. Um, which was on SABC One, again, by a group of pioneers, Rage. Uh, Rage at the time had signed H2O, had so signed, exactly yeah, shout out Maria, Zino, Kutuano, still the best in the world. Um, exactly what you mean. So basically what happened back then, that's what happened today, is that, there was a lot of d- discovering of new voices and a lot Absolutely. of discovering of new ways to express the current affairs. Um, I saw Papama, who who runs Africa is our, is our time now, the right, t-shirts. Right. She was a stylist on Coca-Cola Pop Stars. And I was like, what's a stylist? Because <laughs> they're right. introducing this person. Hi, I'm Papama. I'm styling the guys. And I'm just like, what does a stylist do? You know, and it just, SABC One for me was like this information source that there were black people doing cool Dope things, things. Uh, non traditional things. Right. Um, you know, you, you, we knew Bovinolia and, and Nimrod. Yes. But what yes. SABC One evolved into was almost creating like subcultures from that typical Gazi thing you knew. Right. Right. So what you thought you knew is, is Bansula could now suddenly be translated and be cool to be in a Red Bull ad. Right. Okay. So. Right. And they gave us hmm. those platforms to express what is natural for black people. Absolutely. Right. Um, so I, I say Claudi because I feel like he walked into the SABC. I absolutely salute his trying to do 90% um, local. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is we need aspiration as well, right? Mm-hmm. SBC has 18 radio stations. Mm-hmm. Of the 18, 15 are in vernacular languages. Right. So what part was he trying to make 90? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because Metro FM, Good Hope, and 5FM are, are you know, SBC's mixed race stations. You know, I need a, but who calls pala pala. They're literally in their languages, right. right? So if he was saying 90 in terms of make sure majority music on vernacular stations is South is African. in in the Sutu yes. for for you know. Um, I think that's what you. No, meant. even Metro had to go 90% local. Even Five FM, even Good Hope FM. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong, but you need to understand that they, they aren't number one when Claudi was in that energy, right? How many piano or gom or any other artists were out here? Really right? Like but Metro album. wouldn't necessarily play gom yeah. at that time. Yeah. But now they had to because there's no more Lionel Richie to fill oh, in on Sunday. So there's no Tamiya. There's no. So now it's a different radio station. It was an urban music channel, Metro FM. So right. now when you make it vernacular, it's no longer urban music everything. channel. So right. you must change your strategies, you must change your approaches, you must, it changes so Marketing. much. But also yes. for him to like turn it over in 48 hours, radical, it made yeah. no sense. So, so it was too radical. Absolutely. So I... So it was a good motive, just too radical. Yeah, I mean intentions, A, 10 out of 10. 
delivery yeah delivery i don't know cool i don't know if it benefited the musicians the way he intended yeah because it was too radical but uh, you know based on your statement about sabc and how radical it was and how it's not as radical today right i have a very i think it's a good question Mm -hmm. but would you say um how tv was communicated back then and how it's communicated today um, is the reason why we have a youth that is the way that they are today? Because, I mean, respectfully, a lot of our youth is, like, quite ignorant about, like, the current affairs and the current state of South Africa, you know? You've got a lot of people that think this is a first world. You've got a lot of people that think <laughs> yeah. they require a lot of first world things from South Africa, mm-hmm. how they d- can't believe how so many little people have been vaccinated. They can't believe how... It's not how, us. No, no, but, like... It's not us per se because mm. you know of everything else that's going on, but at the same time, we do need to put it into consideration that we really are a third world country economically. You know what I mean? Like, fine, when it comes to our infrastructure, we're on a we could say borderline first world level, but I think once you travel Africa, you, you value. What we have. We are Hollywood. A hundred percent. Right? So I think the one advantage South Africans have, and I say this with with the best of intentions, I'm not excluding anyone else who lives in South Africa. But I think we've always been aspirational in our thinking. Yes. Right? You you have to consider people like Brahu and Boma Miriam who went to live and start careers overseas are mm-hmm. uh, once we heard those stories, we 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 saw okay, I can go there. Right. Um. And my friends and I love because we always say there's a lot of guys from Pretoria, for example, who ended up in the UK in right. the early days because they couldn't afford to study, but there was this no visa entry into the UK, and they were looking for hard workers. And South Africans were known to be hard workers, Crazy. right? Yeah, then. But now it's a of whole course. visa process. But So I have friends who came back into the country five years ago after having lived there 15 years. Some still are in the UK and not planning to come back home. But I think South Africans have always been aspirational in our thinking, in our hopes, in our dreams. We want more for ourselves. Yes. And, and, and SABC was a good vehicle that right. did that for us. It's not their responsibility necessarily to... to get everyone on the same page in terms of you know how you consume it yeah with with phones especially smartphones coming into play mm-hmm. people now have options when i was in matric you only got the news on tv or radio yeah. like or print yeah and maybe a cbc3 will have an l word yep. and sex in the city and and you know that kind of int- so SABC three was international programming. Yeah, they were surviving stuff. Ellie McBeal we saw in SABC three. Um, you know, so I think SABC's fault was not converting fast enough and okay. and becoming smart world compliant, right? In the sense that how do we make news fifteen second news on the phone if I've missed it? The seven o'clock news, mm-hmm. right? Because seven o'clock news were a culture with Nicolo Hrutbom in yes. every black house. Seven o'clock because eight o'clock is generations yes. and so on and so on. Like a but that that table. that culture of families changed. Yes. Right? Because we only gather around the TV at that time because it's dinner time. Yes. You know, Lin Makaka generations that 
in an hour you have to go to sleep yes so we we consume families different now like no one's okay. gathering to watch generations because someone probably bootlegged a copy and has already seen the episode like <laughs> <laughs> smartphones have just introduced the shortcut to it um so, so had sabc figured out how to be um to change quick enough yeah i think they they could have kept the momentum Okay. Uh, there's still some channels and shows that are doing it. I mean, I I don't knock this if you haven't worked there in over ten years. <laughs> uh, no, twenty-one years, like eleven years. Sorry, because uh, I finished at the CBC in 2010. Okay. Okay. Um, but I I mean, it, it they they made me believe in like black people doing amazing. Yeah. I I I found a lot of peers that I looked up to. Um, there was a lady called Mate who was heading up a CBC3. She had gone to study in New York. She had worked in New York. I'd never met someone like that prior to that. Right. Um, um, so you made you a dreamer. Absolutely. A CBC1 team under Romeo Kumalo um, at the time, introducing continuity presenters. Into, it was all like this new world of wonder. But right. I had I had a secret because my mom worked there. I could... Like go and harass Romeo. I said, please tell me what it is that happens here, right. like, and help me with this. And and then she'd say, go there to graphic design, and I'd go find out from there. What do you guys do? And in my curiosity, I think that's been able to make me like this creative. And till today, I can't really say I'm a TV creative or look. Honestly, advertising. And, and literally had this conversation on our last episode, right? And mm-hmm. I was like. I hate it that when we come to the creative world, we are always kind of forced to like box ourselves in to have like one title. Because I truly believe, I truly, truly believe anything in art, just having like a very fine taste. Um, and that's why you find people that are um, good at designing or people that are good at drawing, people that are good at making music. Some can dress, but can't dress that well as a person that's fashionably mm-hmm. inclined. Or some no good music or some no good spots to Look be at which is um, relatable that's very funny that you brought it out because this is the same guy we had a conversation about in the last episode you know what I mean yeah. like it's exactly the same Kanye thing Kanye was taught rappers to clean up yeah that is okay to wear skinny jeans but leather joggers and and a polo shirt you <laughs> yeah. know where before they thought he was a pansy they yeah. thought he was this prep boy but what he was saying is why not right why and I? now you see them they clean up in their suits they but you see him with with Yeezy people said he's crazy so I'm I've always been so curious about the crazies yeah right um if you read Humor Together Still Grazing and I love to reference that book because Ukurelem Kukini and Alex Okay. And to be the human together, you know, today where you could walk anywhere in the world and then know exactly who you're talking about. Right. Right? This township kid won somehow. Changed the world. And on a global scale. Right. So how does a South African kid not be curious about that? Oh, Especially like if you're a creative, right? Because right? right, right. I didn't read that book with hopes that I could sing one day or play an instrument. I wanted to understand a creative mind. Or what goes through someone's mind. Absolutely. Like that, um, right? So right now I'm reading Grace Jones' autobiography, which is mind-blowing as well. I, I am really kind of drawn to who the person was, um, you know, 
did they survive being called crazy? I think being a creative and growing up township, I was always, I mean, they liked me because I'm a nice person, but yeah. I was always labeled crazy because I was always so eclectic. If it wasn't my hair, it was my clothes. It was different. Yeah, you were just different and different was crazy. Right. True. Um, and for so long, I found offense to being called crazy. Um, to actually going, yeah. I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> that that's happens, what makes me different. I totally think that happens like at a certain age. Like you go, you get to a certain age where you just feel like, yo man, this is just who I am and that's just how it is. Like I remember on this one day, and I remember it so well because um, I thought I was crazy on this one day when it was CB's day, like last day of the year, mm-hmm. you know. Um, wake up in the morning, I think I was like in grade 8 or 9, dude. And... I decided, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to wear my jeans inside out. Cool. Wear my jeans inside out. And I'm about to get into the car because my daddy's... <laughs> that is like, wait, wait, wait. What's happening? What's this? What's <laughs> this? like, what's going on here? And I was like, I'm going to school. He's like, dog, you're not getting in my car. In those conditions. Just like that. And I was like, why? Like, I'm literally mm-hmm. dressed how I think... I want to dress? It's like, no, dog. You look crazy. You look crazy. You need to go back and change. Or you're not going to school. We're actually leaving you. And I would never miss school on CV's day. Like, I used to be up at clothes. Like, like <laughs> CV's is when I get to. Because I was relatively like a shy person. Not really shy, but I only spoke when I was, like, when you speak to me. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't really go out of my way. Um, so, clothes was the easiest way for me to express myself. And the easiest mm-hmm. way for... I guess girls to talk to me or girls to kind of say, oh, that guy. Because obviously the other guys were not just like that. We're not wearing their jeans inside out. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think once I made peace with that, um, I was like, because my mom never called me crazy. Yes. Right. So she she was cheerleading. Others would say today, like, bad mom, come on, could have roped her in. You're like, why did you let her do that? But she she never stopped it. Um, and so there was always that comfort for okay. me. And I, I think the label fell away quite early when I realized being crazy meant I got more things. So I got special classes on Saturday because I had to go to art school. So <laughs> screw you guys, I'm out. I'm crazy. Yeah, I get yourself up saying you're stuck in the hood. Um, and... And so it, it kind of started giving me that access. And through art, uh, I started getting introduced to more non-black people, right? Because okay. I'd go to art class and I'm the only black kid. And the white moms are like, oh, oh little talent. Here's <laughs> this and that. And, you know, and it kind of opened these doors because for some reason, my mom was brave, brave enough to kind of say, nothing's going to stop me helping this kid achieve her dreams. Right. So... I was the first black kid in a lot of spaces for okay. a very long time. Um, and if I hadn't gotten over that crazy part, I think that would have been harder for me. But I actually embraced being this like unicorn in these environments right. because it was like, yeah, you know, there's more like me. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, Many more. Ta-da! So black I'm people like, are creative as well. I'm definitely going to need us to go back to your story. Though. Which story? Um... Fashion magazine, worked for Java, mm. and after worked with Tapila Mokwena. And then, what was the next step? Like, what was the step next stage when you got bored? Like, obviously, you got. And I didn't get bored, I got broke. <laughs> 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 um, so, Tapelo 
Tapelo, we launched the movie. Um, it did really well. We launched at Maponya Mall. Dope. That was crazy. Um, like full red carpet, an exhibition of all the characters really in the movie. Dope. I don't know what we were thinking, Tapelo, pulling off Hollywood things at like minimal budgets. But that's dope because it gave someone the go. Like someone probably said it, it was incredible. Listen, I, I, I still have posters and, and artwork from that, but if that makes sense yeah. Tapelo at the time was the Hunter's Dry guy yes the ad so um, Distel who have Hunter's Dry were giving him money I think they had given him a little bit of money but he had put in his like savings his all his money into creating this movie and it was a, a win or lose situation and we won um, oh. because we pulled it off we, we flighted something people came in numbers and it was incredible but um freelance work wasn't that sustainable in in 2010 for someone who had come from corporate it right. was really hard for me to um just be earning the set yeah, amount ten thousand yeah, like it was just like money <laughs> <laughs> attorney um and so i actually got like wearing hunted down two friends of mine had started working at sab okay uh the music he runs uh obrigado now with ken zero um he was working at sab at the time as an events rep okay and um my ex-business partner to me she was at at um sab as well and they were going to get promoted and the only way they could move into their new jobs was to fill their positions so i think it was Dumi who reached out and she had come to an event um that i i was producing for dineo ranaka called music and me okay and and we used to have these events in four ways and Dumi happened to be at one of these events and she was like i like your work would you be interested in the job like, job okay <laughs> what kind of job I'm like i don't drink beer i can't you know i can't sell alcohol like that i'd never been in a sales environment, right. I had always worked in a kind of production side of things. Okay. So what SAB was doing now was saying like, come sell beer. And I was like, I need to a beer. Yeah. Um, so I, I walked in going, mm, I don't know, let me hear what you guys want. I was interviewed by the manager at the time. We met for lunch at a restaurant. I thought we were having a conversation. By the end of the Don't conversation, she was like, well, I want to offer you this job. And all I kept thinking is, oh, my God, I can have medical aid again. I can have a car allowance. Yeah, all I thought, because, I mean, I'd been working for myself. I'd been right. working for talent. Who also talent, you must remember, you get paid if someone makes a booking. So if Jabba's not booked this week for oh, a gig, wow. I'm not paid. Um, and so... I miss the comfort of, of like medical aid and benefits and pension and overtime. And, mm -hmm. and so I got back into it, um, 2011. She said yes. Yeah. December 2011 was my first month at SAB. And, um, yeah, that was quite a ride. SAB was, was from a, like a non-creative space. So as much as I was in an events department, it was still like heavy sales. Right. Had to push volume, had to push targets. And I'm just like... Targets? Mm, I think I signed up for the wrong <laughs> job. Um, so I'm going to like, yeah, let me tap out. And they're like, no, dude, 
trust me you're a salesperson you just don't know it okay, right so and they could you. say this because when you apply to work for fmcgs yeah. right fmcgs it's like sab uh unilever nestle tiger brands fast moving consumer goods that's yes. what fmcg means um if you work for any companies like that they'll take you through what they call psycho psychometric tests okay when when they say okay, we want to hire you and you do a series of tests and what these tests essentially pull out for them is you know is is banging a guy who's going to give up okay you know if we push him does he work well with teams right. um, but That's can still be very sure. independent right. and then they do this assessment and i i apparently performed quite well and so the job was mine so they knew that and made a mistake I was convinced they had made a mistake uh, because I was like, guys, I didn't even. <laughs> I produce concerts. Like, what is this? Now right. you're going to give me 30,000 and I used to work with 3 million. Like, I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> I was so lost for the first few months. I was like, what is this? how does this happen? You know, um, but because I'm naturally curious, you know, then it became a challenge to myself. If, okay. if creative is easy for you, so maybe this is like a new challenge, right? right? How do you become the salesperson? Um, it, listen, it took mountains and, mm -hmm. and, and lots of people like <laughs> holding me up, like, just hold on. Um, I, I walked in with a girl called Uzama and she was also, it was kind of a first sales job. Zama was incredible. She's still incredible, still in, in alcohol sales. And yeah, she helped me because we go to like a university 10 days mm -hmm. and you have to write tests and exams and, right. and then you can work for SAB officially. So it's like every phase is a hiring phase for them. So after the psychometrics, even though I was great, I still had to do this series of exams that would say, you know, she said, I was kicking and screaming. I'm like, there's no ways I'm going to university, guys. Like we're in school now. Classes at seven, the day ends at five. Oh, Sales, oh, <laughs> accounting, profit margins, uh, everything, everything.
sometimes she gets bored, so she lets somebody in. And they always wanna stay, but she always limited. Maybe we could have a good time. But when it's time to leave, it's goodbye. But they never do. So she welcomes them and gives them love they never knew. Then she leaves and locks the key and turns her eyes anew. Burns the castle with them in it, all them bridges too. Look back, turn to his soul Fan the flames of reclamation No, she knows his revolt Against anything that feels like anything She's not ready, she's not ready for love Leave as quick and unexpected as it comes Everyone who's seen her wants to turn and run But she's done, yeah And she's one She's the queen of her own castle She's her own goddamn dragon To work with agencies, I wasn't necessarily as excited to be part of Brian team because it took away the freedoms of being an events rep. Okay. Um, the joy of being an events rep is you almost become your own ambassador, right? What you, does the brand you, team do? Brand team are the brand managers, marketing managers, promotions managers. They are the guys who decide if Drake is coming or so Nicki Minaj. Absolutely. Okay. Where for us on the event um, side of things was pushing volume. Okay. Uh, we had to sell, you know, we had to create activity that would push volume. So uh, if we're going to partner with the, a, a, a Little Wayne concert, mm -hmm. I needed to know that the Dome were going to buy two trucks of Miller, okay. for example, or that I can run competitions with Kong. Right. Or the, the time, the icon, the bank, like, you know, in mm -hmm. the clubs, you could do your promotion. So we were a support in terms of events team. But okay. obviously, once you're brand team, you're the decision maker. Right. So when I got into brand team, that expose to agencies, the process, the systems that started kind of triggering my curiosity on. But why are there no black businesses that are servicing some of these things when as a business, SAB speaks predominantly to like 80% black people. Yes. And the faces that I kept seeing come in were white agencies who were brilliant. Agencies I'd wanted to work for when I was in advertising school. Or you were suddenly seeing kind of the rise of these new agencies. DNA was, was relatively new when yeah. I started. I think they're 10 now. So yeah, maybe a few years old. But there was a handful of DNAs. I couldn't right. count them. There was one called Olive Communication. Uh, Rosang, Roth Media had started at the time, but she had also come out of a SAB situation. And I think SAB showed us the gaps for, for creatives and where the opportunity was in speaking to the black consumer, right? right? Because the white agencies still would have to hire Instagram. 
Yes. So you guys to give them insights. Yeah. So so I left SAB with that. Um I I didn't know it was going to be a easy easy easy. I thought I was going to freelance. You wake up in the morning and say I quit. No, it was over a series of of I think months. What is the struggle about coming back? Um not being heard. Not being heard. I think um you know i thought i brought valuable insights into like this creative cool audience they were trying to tap into at the time on the brand team that i was with and i just constantly felt like i wasn't being heard um okay. and so what sab does is in part of your career they match you up with mentors and in chatting to my mentors you know they were like this place is like this this is not really ready for this radical kind of mm-hmm. approach that you want to do so if you you know if you're going to be unhappy I'd say leave um but if you're okay with still kind of doing things the way they are and being patient about change Please. I'd say stay because we don't want to lose you but I cuz I had worked with him for and a half years and we had he was the first boss who hired me he was like yeah knowing you also <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I'd say leave cuz you're going to be this restless. So I think I fought it for a few months and eventually on my birthday I woke up uh 26 May 2015 and I was like what am I giving myself for my birthday this year? And I was like I'm fucking quitting my job and I'm going to figure out if I can make it on my own. Crazy. And um I was I'm trying to think how old I'm now. I was 34. Yeah. It's crazy. So it's never really too late. Is it too late? It's early. It's early. Listen, uh I think there's no there's nothing's too late. That's my mom I mean. my mom only got her first diploma when she was 60. Right. After she'd educated all of us. No, but that's exactly what I mean. Like it's never it's never really too late for you to change your mind. Absolutely. I think if the mind is always curious, you'll never feel like time is 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 the challenge. Right. The challenge is in like satisfying the curiosity for me. That's right. how I approach things. So okay. I'll never think, oh gosh, you know, um I need to get this done by 40. Yeah. It's more like how long will this research take me? Okay. And 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 I look at it that way or how how long is the learning yeah. period? Then I'll look at it that way. So I've always been the oldest, you know, when I was at the magazine, I was the oldest style intern, I was an adult intern. Um where everyone was probably 5, 6, 8 years younger than me. Right. Um but my curiosity was what was pushing me forward. If I had focused on my age, I would have worked myself up and freaked myself out 100%. because I'm thinking of competition, right? 100%. But how I saw it was I've got one up on all these kids. You've yeah. all never been in an office. Like you don't know what it's like having a boss, managing a budget. <laughs> you know, like certain Basics. things that we're doing here, you know, even you guys at the magazine know it wouldn't be our job. There's a driver, there's a but i i had that that advantage so i i think because my curiosity always wins i always feel like i have so much time until i i have to say like oh 39 i'm like oh shit <laughs> we're here <laughs> already yeah, like but time age was never the limit i think if you have the energy and you 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 curious about it you go off 
So right, 34, you quit your job. Yeah. Um, Went to Thailand. What's the name? Uh, it was actually Pocket of Sunshine first, and I thought, how vain. <laughs> <laughs> Do I want to call it Sunshine? Um, so when I registered my business, it was Pocket of Sunshine, and the intention was to be able to kind of have a pocket of this and this and this right. and this and this, you know, the mother brand being Pocket of Sunshine. Um, but then I considered if I want to sell it one day, am I selling off my name? Yeah, and you're possibly um, yeah, so um, Ken Zero, I think Ken Zero must finally get his credits for giving me Chirasikasi. So Ken Zero he calls me Chirasikasi, and it's like an inside joke we have because we're both from Soweto. Right. Um, he laughs at me because he says I'm like a white Shangan, you know, I'm this sentient <laughs> girl, but I'm stuck on being heard. So he always laughs at me. Um, or would laugh at me in meetings and whatever and always be like, yeah, I'm Kasi, you know, right. like in Stanton. And um, I remember after a conversation with him one day and I was just like, this is actually the name. Crazy. You know, um, okay. it describes who we are. We, our roots are like from the township. Right. Um, I think our, our ideal dream would have been to work out of the township. Right. Um, so when we started, we wanted to work from Zone 6 in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, it was before they put up the stalls and and the fancy bells and whistles of Zone 6. Um, <laughs> yeah, once upon a time, it was just warehouse. Okay. I remember walking in when it was still being built and Chris, you know, kind of trying to draw a picture on this rubble and there was just like a pile of nothing, this right. warehouse. And to see to what it is today it's why I'm like bells and whistles because right. I don't think any of us thought Zone 6 could elevate to that level um, but I don't know everything's always just yeah it's just how it is come to play yeah for me so um, it always feels like my life is an adventure and like there's always there's more coming like yeah so what's so like obviously we might have to wrap it up pretty soon second last question um What's next? Actually, no. Oh, Actually, yeah. oh no, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Is there next? <laughs> yeah. you very uh, I, yeah, what's next? Is not a fair that's question. Actually very, that's actually Twag. terrible. Yeah, why does yes. that? Um, well, Kupari Sao, that's next. Huh? <laughs> cash is next. Yeah, you want cash? Yeah. Cash, not card? Cash, cash, cash is king right now. Right. I think we can't think of next because right now the challenge is cash flow. Right. Right. So this, as I'm like, oh, not next. Oh, yeah. Cash is next. What are the challenges of being a business owner out of coming out of corporate? Emotion, oh. emotional instability. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm kidding. I mean, it's a big factor. I think being an entrepreneur in South Africa. Because it could be different for someone in Kenya. Is, as a woman, um, no support from my government in any sense, shape or form. Even though there's a whole department of women, children and elderly in South Africa. Uh, No assistance from SARS, um, who, you know, I think should have special laws and exemptions for SMEs. Especially SMEs earning under 5 million or 10 million um, I think the fact that we're grouped as a, you know, against, say, your bigger agencies 
in in our taxes um, is completely unfair. Okay. I think there should be a special exemption for female-owned businesses. Um, yeah, it's it's tough in South Africa. I think there there are no support systems that offer a resource. You know, whether uh -huh. it's free counselling that you can phone in and talk to, or get free advice on labour law, and if you want to employ people, you know, what's the right thing to do. Or, you know, um, I want to start a business and I want to be tax compliant. There, mm -hmm. there are no like 0800 mahala information <laughs> to come. Yeah. And it's frustrating to hear the government, um, especially black women in government, insisting that they are doing all they can to help small black businesses in this country. And they do bugger all. Um, you know, to to be told we'd get assistance, we, we pay UIF, and then you're not paid tears or whatever it's called. Mm. It's frustrating because it starts to make you question if you should be a legally running business in this country mm -hmm. or to wing it the way they do. Right, and just make and the money and and and, and, and you know go on and just go on by and right. pretend like you don't know. Um, so it's, it, I say emotional instability or crippling because it's, today could be an incredible day because someone's put in a brief, but tomorrow could be a BS day because, you know, yeah, you need to do a mock-up and you don't have the money to pay a designer. Right. And, um, the only way to get this job is if they see mock-ups, you know, and, and so it, it teaches you to know how to talk to people okay. i think being in business in south africa is also being in business with other people yes uh, especially if you're a business. service provider uh -huh. because your delivery depends on you know bangy giving us um dead jerseys so we can put them in the pr box that we're sending for christmas absolutely so if i don't have that relationship or that trust with you it makes my job a bit harder so it forces you to, you know, to, right? yeah, and, and wear your heart on your sleeve. I think a lot of entrepreneurs t try to act like they got it together um, because one, the fact that we're doing it is like this big woo-ha for either your family or your friends. People just don't think you can do it. So you're always trying to act like you've got it together just to make them comfortable, yeah, right? So like, yeah, guys, I, like, I'm not dying. It's right. just, you know, um, where you could be internally, like, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, take your AK and go shoot people. So the cost is going down. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think it teaches you to keep, you know, they, they say, like, paddling underwater, but above you you still and you look calm it it's taught me a lot of patience mm -hmm. Same. Uh, i don't think my patience level were, were at this <laughs> so you know now a lot of bs just kind of flies off yeah. i am I'm, I'm not as emotionally affected um where when i started the business i i felt every no was an attack on me and my personality or my being and i used to personalize every rejection Same. but you you know this is our sixth year this year into it you realize the brand manager on the other side is is you know just like you she, she could be having a bad day yep. doesn't know you it's got nothing to do with nothing you it's just business absolutely and and so it's it's taught me to be a bit cold 
as well, which is not necessarily good quality on a normal human. Yeah, but it's something you need in business. Absolutely. Um, I, I think as a woman in business and other women will understand, it's always thrown in our faces as women that like you do business like a woman. It's like, what the fuck is that? What is that? You know, business is business. So True. it's, it, it, is it, it offensive? It is offensive because I, we wouldn't be in the same boardrooms if I was doing business like a woman. And I mean, what is business like a woman? I mean, I've, I want to be honest. I've said it before. You do business like a woman. I, there's reasoning. That's why I've so said sexist. It. No, it, it wasn't even coming from that perspective. I mean, um, it was ages ago and obviously I've tried, I've, I've changed my perspective on that as well. But I said it from the basis that, um, Everything was so like there was an emotional reaction to a business transaction. You know what I mean? Which I don't think the two interacted with one another. But um, that's the thing I don't understand. Who set this rule that there can't be emotions in business? They just can't. But we're humans. Not so are you you saying we're operating on zero? Hundred percent. There's no ways. I think if there was more compassion. Um, put into approaching business, right? Because if you understand my cash flow issues, yeah, but you know I can deliver on your work and the quality of work. Yeah. What is needed for us to move to the next step is someone applying compassion and going, I understand where you come from or I don't understand where you come from. Okay. But this thing of we're going to go in and it's <laughs> here's what's on my table. <laughs> Who's going to win, right? Yeah. Right. So, um, it, it's interesting because I try and watch a lot of these, you know, like Steve Jobs, who was a cold businessman, no emotion attached to it. And to see him die in his last day and regret every single moment of it. That's my question on like not applying emotion into it. Right. Because okay. you must remember, if you're going to change as a business person, it means you're changing as a person as yes. well. So, absolutely. Yeah. So. You know, um, even though this being called quality is great for me in business, as a person, I hate it because it makes me seem detached. Yes. Right? But yes. it's become a mechanism to protect myself from the the harshness of business. Or bumping into people like you say you work like a woman, <laughs> right? You, you then learn to go inside with saying, fuck you, and I'm going to show you why I'm not a woman. Right. You know, I'm a business person. Right. So it, 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 if I think if we applied more realism to business, that'd be the best. There'd be less fraud that our government is committing because no one in that room said, but what about the people? Don't yes. you feel bad? Like you are actually EFTing this 22 million and nothing moved inside you. Yes. You know, right. that, that's cold business. I totally get what you mean. So this is the last segment. Um, it's called Inspiration 101. No, I have none to give. <laughs> Man, I'm out. I'm all out, guys. Really, I'm all out. You don't even know what it's about. Okay, inspire me. Please. No, like, all you have to say is, like, tell us what are your mantras. Like, tell us what thing that keeps you going that you tell yourself. So that's called Inspiration 101. Hey, it's going to sound silly. <laughs> no, nothing sounds silly. I, I literally operate on a simple, if you can dream it, you can do it. And it's Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Again, a plus 35 reference. <laughs> I've actually watched that. Um, but, you know, it's that simple thing of if you can dream it, you can do it, right? Because 
now you finally have examples of people who've done it. Yes. Um, I remember going into AAA 2001 yes. after matriculating and the only person I knew who had been at that college or that school was Pamela Mutini, Okay. who I think became an actress and now she's on radio. Okay. And she was my neighbor um, in one of the environments I lived in. And I remember her trying to explain what triple A is and what you can do and, you know, the courses available. And if there hadn't been a Pamelo, I don't know if I would live this life I'm living, right? right. If I'd had a reference, someone to talk to, um, I think anyone 35 under is in like a 200% better position than we've ever been in. 100%. You guys have access. I mean, we were doing school projects and you actually had to go to a library. Kateri magazines. There was no internet to Google anything. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> like Google was not a thing. You know, typography class was actually learning how to create different fonts. Right. By hand. Right? It was an actual class. And you you, you had to pass the module to pass the year. Right. Um so you guys are in a better place. The inspiration for you guys is everywhere now. Right, because there's so many other people who've done it before. Stone Cherry, um, Lockshin Culture. Culture, oh, R.I.P. Wandi. You know, um, Maria McCloy, who's now into fashion and she's in PR. Those are people still alive, those are people still here. Those are pioneers of like South African subcultures. So, this eclectic black kid you're seeing, there were people who actually helped create those spaces and channels for it to be a real thing. Right. It took Scoop to create the young black Joba kid you're seeing today. It took Isaac Pasha, who was before Scoop. And Isaac was, again, a crazy, right. but revolutionary in his time, wearing nail polish, these big dreadlocks. But we saw this black kid travel the world like go into these festivals, go into Europe. And for the first time we thought, oh my God, I can leave this country. Right? I can, I can, I can tell people about South Africa and they wouldn't be shocked who we are. Right. And I think that's what you guys have an advantage of. I think I worry for 35 under that your egos don't allow you to get into a space where you are wanting to learn from people who've been there, who've, who face the hurdles, who are still in the hurdles, some of them, and how to make it better for you guys. I used to stalk Maria and Rage and Kutlano when I was in college because I was like, I want to work at Rage, guys. Like, I, you don't have to pay me. I just want to sit here and take it all in. Right. So I just started harassing them. I'd just show up. I'd literally go from college and go sit outside Rage in Norwood and eventually they let us in and eventually they had a conversation and eventually they told us what happens. And through that, I met Lee and Root Boy and Thomas. And, you know, you start to meet their circles and their circles. But right. there's this um, perception that the Plus 35 have got it together. And the only inspiration I'd want to give them is to kind of, you know, take advantage of the ones that are still alive. Right. Um, there are people who did mind-blowing shit in this country that I think 
a lot of young people might not know. Um, after Shelley's, we never thought we'd have this other big South African, but here's a Trevor Noah. We're seeing Tusombedu now yep. go. Um, Mampo Brescia, for example, lived in LA for 10 years working as an actress. Terepeto was on The Bold and the Beautiful, guys. Yep. From acting at Gibson Kent School to literally being on like international stages. Nomzamo right. coming from a township. And there were people before them. Right. There were people they could talk to. Um, I mean, Nomzamo is lucky to have been gone through the bomb school you know mm-hmm. bomb is the same guys who did Yuzo Yuzo yeah, zone bomb, 14 that's, that's that. That's yeah Debojo and and Desiree Mahraf, I think um who wouldn't want to learn from them what? all right they've done it they've they know what it's like to get a show on SABC one to have it be controversial to create a soundtrack from a show that was again a first with Yuzo Yuzo and get one of the dopest soundtracks in in South Africa it it became all these new things that right. we didn't know before. You know, all we knew was Boomshaka and Kalawa Jasmine, and but now you started seeing it go into the UK. Abu Oskido, I think Kalawa was one of the first labels to work with European music labels mm-hmm. with house music. Um, Abu Fresh with um, house flavor, music flavor, house. Yeah, also when you went to Miami. I get, I get Do you know what I mean? And and those were people who did it when we think we thought it couldn't be done. Yes. I never thought I'd work for a radio station, especially the radio station I wanted to work for. I never thought I'd get to Metro. I never thought I'd get to a CBC. But there was this determination that was like, yeah, it's gonna happen. Dude. It's gonna happen. Okay. Well, everybody. And stay curious. <laughs> stay curious. <laughs> All the time. Um, thank you for watching and listening to this episode of Dead Radio. Um, apparently, I really have to say, I have to say apparently because not big on it, but please subscribe and turn on your notifications. <laughs> from your main man, Bang is Dead. Um, I am out. Oh, and from the guest. <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to tag myself? Follow us, please. Chira uh, yeah, yeah, We are on Instagram. If you want us to solve any of your creative needs, follow my personal page. Don't hold me accountable for anything on that page. It was me. Um, at Sunshine Shibs. And I hope any of my mentees who are watching this, who are obviously going to tell to follow Dead Radio. Um, I miss you guys I love you guys stay dreaming and you can achieve anything you want to as cheesy as that sounds that's inspiration 101 by the way anyway the drama Um, (laughs) 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 alright thank you and from your main man Bang is dead and the guest (laughs) we are out